Well, good morning and welcome to Redemption Church. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. Thrilled that you are with us today. It is going to be a great morning. Um, and if you're here to support friends or family who are getting baptized today, a special thank you to you. You know that today for them represents a great deal of courage uh, as they are telling this community and the world that they are in love with Jesus. And if you've ever been in a moment like that, you've gone through this, then you know that this is a huge step. Uh, also, if, if churches relatively new to you or just something that's not normative to you. Uh, I know it can be a little bit uncomfortable kind of stepping into a place with people you don't know and you're not familiar with. Uh, and now there's a horse trough full of water. So what's that about? Um, but we're going to try to explain this and walk through this this morning in a helpful way. Uh, and this is a great exercise for those of us who have been around for a while, too. It's good for us to be able to kind of look at this again. Um, and uh, so I just want to thank you for, for being a part of what's happening today. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Tyler Johnson so for preaching last week. I was so thankful that he came in and led us. Yep. Um, I was actually out of town with our young adult ministry. So 710 is our community of young adults and college students, and they had their annual retreat up in uh, Williams. And uh, I am so excited about what God is doing in that community. Um, I just was telling uh, their leadership, it just really felt like a holy moment for me to be a part of what God is doing in and through them and in their midst. Uh, I do have to confess that I have a kind of particular soft spot in my heart for that ministry. When I moved here in 2007, uh, I had a chance to lead that community for a little over a decade and uh, have just always loved uh, that age stage and had a real kind of like proud dad moment just being with them and seeing um, how what, what an amazing group of people that they are. Uh, Corey Kasperson uh, is a pastor over that. Jay Dillard leads alongside him. And I am so proud of their leadership. They are phenomenal leaders. Um, they... They seek God earnestly through prayer. They are massively dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. They walk and they care for their people in really the most Jesus-like way. And um, we, have, we have so much to look forward to in the future generation of leadership that God is raising up in this church, both through youth and through 710. And, and so I'm just really just so thrilled and so thankful. Um, so thank you for your investment into those communities as well. One of the phenomenons that I actually encountered when I was working with young adults uh, is when they would pair up and they'd get into different dating relationships with each other. There was a particular moment um, that felt like a pretty serious threshold in those relationships. And that is when the relationship became Facebook official. And I know that Facebook might not be the social media you know, vehicle of choice, but back in, in that day, it was, uh, unless you were part of the resistance on MySpace. Uh, and I don't know if they're still with us or not. But, um, but if the relationship was serious, you would let everyone know uh, by posting about it. And in some instances, I don't know if they, Facebook still has this function, but you could change your status. You would change your status from single or it's complicated to in a relationship. Uh, and it was always really awkward when one person would do it and the other person was like, I didn't know we were there yet. So they had to have the kind of that moment together. Uh, but the point is there was a public declaration of a change in relationship status. And it was you telling the world, this is where I am with my relationship. And it wasn't that the declaration is what started the relationship. You're probably already in the relationship. But the declaration is the announcement of this is where the relationship is now. This is how it's progressed. And it's reached such a significant place in my life that it will affect all parts of my life. 
And what we're going to see today and what we're going to talk about briefly uh, is something that's way bigger than updating a status on your Facebook page. We're going to see today a group of people declare to this community and to the world that they are in a relationship with Jesus, that they are in love with and committed to Jesus, and they have been made new in their life with him because Jesus has done in their life what nobody else or no thing else could do in their life. And they're saying to the world, my life now belongs to Jesus. So I want to briefly talk just about what that change in status is, the transformation in them, how it connects to baptism. And then my friend Brian's going to come up after that and just kind of walk us through what we're going to experience together in our service. But let me pray real quick and just ask God to help us this morning. Father in heaven, we love you. And God, I thank you for what we can sing in truth, that you really love us. And I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to live a life that we could never live and to die the death that was due us, to show us real love. And I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your spirit that is here and it is active and working. And Holy Spirit, you are the boss in this service. This service is yours. This church is yours. Work and move and do what only you can. God, would you bring illumination out of your word? God, would you bring encouragement where it's needed? Would you bring conviction where it's needed? God, would you, would you guide and would you lead? And would we make much of you, Jesus, in everything that we do here in the next few moments together? Jesus, I love you, and I pray these things in your name. Guide us now by the power of your spirit. Amen. If you have a copy of the scriptures, uh, open the Bible to the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, uh, we're going to put the verses up on the screen so you can follow along with us. Um, if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, um, you, there's a version app. It's a great app. A lot of our pastors will use that, and it's a great way to take the Bible everywhere you take your phone, which is probably everywhere, uh, and then you can have the copy of the scriptures right there. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at just a few verses together. Um, 2 Corinthians is is a letter written by a man named Paul uh, to a group of Jesus followers in a place called Corinth. There was a, uh, a church, and so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to this church. And I, and I know it can be a little weird uh, jumping into the middle of a letter written by somebody else to somebody else, um, but essentially what Paul is doing here is he's writing this letter to this group of Jesus followers, and he's trying to show them the connection between the suffering that they are encountering and the suffering that he's encountering and just the suffering that we encounter as humans, and uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. How does that all connect together? Uh, Paul had endured uh, much in his life and ministry, uh, and because of that, people were doubting whether or not Paul was legit. Was he really called by God? Because if you're really called by God, how can your life be as difficult as Paul's was? But Paul is actually showing in this letter to this community that how his ministry is vindicated by Christ as a means to encourage the believers in Corinth. He's essentially saying, these things are happening to me for you um, so that you would see God uh, more clearly. And these early believers, they're working out what it is to follow Jesus because a lot of this is just new. Faith is new. Grace is new. The cross is new. Sanctification, being in a relationship with Jesus, it's all brand new. And so Paul is trying to help these people and he's saying, listen, we do not deal with things like we have before God saved us. 
there's a shift. There's something new that's happened. So look at verse 14 in chapter 5. That's where we'll start. He says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All right, so what's he saying there? Well, he starts off by saying the fundamental motivator for those of us in Christ is his love for us. It what compels us. So, so the scripture teaches that uh, God is love. Jesus is God. Jesus shows us what active love looks like as he's living his life walking around on planet earth. We are convinced by faith which is supplied by God, that when Christ died, Paul's saying, those of us who are in him died to our old way of living and our old way of being. The old way of living only for ourselves. The old way of us trying to just be our own God. And now, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and because of what that accomplished for those who believe, we don't live for ourselves, we live for Jesus. So a big shift that he's taking this church through. We have a phrase around here that all of life is all for Jesus. It's on our t-shirts. It's on the banners. We say it a lot. And it has to do with this uh, theological framework that we have, this belief that we have, that there is no sacred or secular separation in the world, that Jesus rules and he reigns over everything in life. So it's all submitted to him. But it's also an expression of where our allegiance and our affection and our worship lies. And when I say worship, I'm not just talking about singing like what we just did a moment ago. Uh, the Bible describes worship as everything you do in your body. So all of our life uh, is all for Jesus. Jesus is Lord over every part of our lives. This is what Paul's talking to this church about. And he says in verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He's saying we had a former way of viewing life and a former way of viewing people, but not any longer. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He's saying before we got to this point of understanding what Jesus is all about, we used to look at people like they were just like people. And they live in a certain place, and they work certain jobs, and they earn a certain income, and we see their strengths and their flaws and what they excel at and what they're deficient in. And that's how we just think about people. We kind of just regard people in like this kind of face value kind of way. And, and, and a lot of times we evaluate people almost based solely on what they can contribute to our lives or what they contribute to society. But Paul's saying there is a shift that's coming. And he says it in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Paul is saying, we used to think that Jesus was just like us, but we've discovered by faith through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is way more than just another person walking around planet Earth. He has the power to change and to transform lives. And if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The great thing about the Bible is that the Apostle Paul puts in an exclamation point at the end because he knows that we don't always know when we're supposed to yell or say amen or uh, laugh or clap or even just smile real big. So he's helping us out here. So look what he does. He says, now is the moment, Christian. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Exclamation point. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Paul. 
Paul's saying that you used to just go through life living for yourself, and you only regarded people for how they could advantage you. But all that has changed. Because if anybody with any story and any background or any success or any failure, if you're wealthy or if you're in poverty, it doesn't matter. Anyone is in Christ, that person is a brand new creation. Something powerful has changed in them and the old them has gone away and the brand new them is created in Christ Jesus. That's the story of the power of the gospel of Jesus. And this is the story that you're going to hear from people in just a moment. And the key to all of this is found in this verse. There's two words that, that's the key to all of this happening. In Christ. The new creation from old to new the new creation comes from a relationship with Jesus. The new creation comes from the joining of my life or your life with the life of Jesus. So just to be really clear this morning, you don't get new creation by getting in the water. You get the new creation by getting in Christ and by Christ getting in you. You don't get saved by getting in the water. You get saved by being in Christ. You don't become a son or daughter of the most high living God with a brand new future and promise and, and purpose by getting in the water, but you get all of that by getting in Christ. So today, no one is getting saved just because they're getting in the water. If they're not in Christ, they're just going to be a wet person. Now, it might be, and we pray about this, that, that some of you, by hearing the stories and seeing what you're going to see today, uh, that you might come to know Jesus through the, through the stories of those that are getting in the water by the power of the Holy Spirit. That'd be amazing. But nobody getting in the water is getting saved by baptism. They're getting in the water because their confession is, I am in Christ by faith through the grace, which means the unmerited or the unearned favor of God, and that's how I became a new creation. That is the testimony. That's what's being declared by the people who are getting baptized this morning. And Paul is not saying that when we are in Christ that we're never going to be tempted again, or we're never going to fail, or we're never going to sin again. We know it doesn't mean that we, we won't have to deal with old habits and old ways of being and old ways of thinking that Christ will transform over a lifetime it just means that our desires in this life change because of Jesus, and our defense in this life and the next has changed because Jesus is now in us, and he's an advocate on our behalf. So nobody getting in the water today is going to have a story that says, you know what, I used to be a real mess, but now I'm perfect. I figured it out. I cracked the religious code, and now I got Jesus. Or I pulled myself up by my spiritual bootstraps. I stopped doing all the bad stuff. I started doing all the good stuff. Now I'm in Jesus. That's not the story. The story is, I was a mess. And in large parts, I still am a mess. But Jesus is perfect. And the only thing that I could bring to this relationship was my mess. And Jesus gave me the faith needed to see him for who he is and to see myself and my sin correctly. And because of him drawing me to him, I am in Jesus by putting my faith and hope and trust in him alone. 
And so I'm announcing that my life is not perfect, but it is joined up with the perfect one, and he will work in me to make me like him, and that's the journey that I'm on. That's what's being declared here this morning by those who are getting baptized. Okay, so what are these, these kind of changes that had to happen in these people? And, and I'm not trying to speak for them. In fact, we're going to get to hear their voices in just a moment on a really beautiful video. But generally, there, there's a few things I just want to kind of give to you. There's generally, people who are getting baptized are declaring that there's a few things that have changed in their life. And so let me just kind of walk through some of those things. The first thing that they're declaring is that there's been a change. There's been a change in my life of going from a paper Jesus to a personal Jesus. There's a shift. There's a change from a paper Jesus to a personal Jesus. Here's, here's what I mean. They've gone from understanding Jesus as a figure in the pages of history to a real Jesus that they have come to know now in a personal relationship. Um, I, I have been plenty of places in the world, and I've been around a lot of people who have never heard of Jesus. But in America, honestly, it's kind of difficult to find someone who's never ever heard of, of Jesus Christ. There is a general kind of knowledge that there's a book called the Bible, uh, and that book contains stories about this person, Jesus. And a lot of times when he talks, those words are in red. Uh, and we, we all kind of have seen a picture, have kind of like an image of our, in our head of what this Jesus might look like. He's got long hair and a nice beard, and he's usually holding a lamb sitting around a bunch of children. Like, so we kind of have like an idea or a picture, some familiarity with what Jesus might be like. But it's largely, there's a Jesus who's just kind of like on the pages of history. What our friends getting baptized today are saying is that Jesus doesn't just live on the pages of history. He does. He's a historical figure, to be sure. But that Jesus lives and he lives in the hearts of people who have put their faith in him. So what you're going to witness today is not about, it's not about church attendance. It's not about these people just simply saying, oh, I'm ascribing to a whole new way of thinking or set of principles, or I'm really going to try to clean up my act, or I'm going to stop doing all the bad things, and I'll start doing all the good things. They're talking about entering into a relationship in, in John chapter 11, there's this amazing story. Uh, Jesus goes to the funeral of his friend Lazarus, uh, and Jesus loved Lazarus, and Lazarus has died. He's been uh, dead for three days, and Jesus goes, and he shows up, and he raises Lazarus from the dead, which is a huge deal. And then in verse 45 in John chapter 11, uh, he says, hey, get him out of those grave clothes so that he can be set free so they can walk around. And then it's very interesting because it says after this incredible thing happens, Lazarus has died, Jesus calls him forth, raises him from the dead. It says that many there saw and been around and they saw what Jesus did and they believed. But there's something that just jumps out to me. I don't know if you caught it because the scripture says, many believed. Why didn't all believe? I mean, if we had some kind of service here and somebody who had died came back to life, I would like to think there'd be like a 100% conversion to whatever it is that we're talking about. But the Scripture says many believed, and there were some who were like, eh, still not really convinced. So why is that? Well, typically, there's always someone on the edges who still doesn't believe, but many went to this moment having heard about Jesus, 
But many left having put their faith in Jesus. And that is the story that we are going to hear today. It's not them just saying, oh, I've heard about Jesus. Or even I believe that Jesus is real. It's them saying, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I have come to know him personally. He's not just on the pages. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I believe in the person of Jesus, and I have come to know him personally. Another thing they're declaring this morning is a change from death to life. There's a change from death to life. The, the, the gospel message, the good news about Jesus, is not just that sin makes us bad and Jesus makes us good. What the Bible teaches is that sin makes us dead. Sin makes us dead and the future for those who do not come to Jesus in repentance and faith is both a physical death and a spiritual death or separation from God forever, and that is hell. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, the same when he wrote this letter here, he talks about this. He says, for the wages of sin is death, meaning a wage is something that you've earned. It's a payment for something that you've done. Well, what you've earned because of your sin, because of your rebellion against the holy God, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. There's that phrase again. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the declaration, the thing that people are saying today is not, you know what? I've been a really bad person, but now I'm going to try to be a really good person. That's not the story because that's not the picture God gave us this picture of baptism, of going under the water. Uh, That's the way that we baptize because we believe uh, that's the way that Jesus was baptized when he was in the the river, so we're following his example largely. But in Romans chapter 6, this this kind of water baptism, it's it's a picture of what happens to us when we trust in Christ to become our our Savior. Listen listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body that's ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay, so here uh, we baptize people in a horse trough because Gilbert. But if we wanted a more accurate picture we would have a coffin up here. But that would make it really hard to get people to ever come back here again because baptism is kind of a weird enough thing as it is uh, in our society, so horse trough it is for us. But the idea here that Paul is laying out in Romans chapter 6 is that there is a funeral to an old life and an old way of being and an old way of thinking and old desires and an old master of sin. 
And that's buried like Christ was buried in the tomb. And when we rise out of the water, it symbolizes us being raised to new life with Jesus just as he was raised to life out of that tomb. You're going to notice today uh, that when somebody is put under the water, they are very quickly brought up, right? So I, I... can't recall if I've ever seen it. I don't think I ever have. I've never really seen someone say, you know, I'm going to put you under and, I, and we're just going to stay there for a while. And I'm just going to like try to hold you down. We really don't ever see that. You know why? Because you and I are not designed to live underwater. That's a really big theological thought I just laid out there for you. So by going under the water, it's the picture that the old me, with my old way of being and my old way of thinking and my old master of sin, is gone, has died. And when Christ died for my sins, I consider me being the ruler of my own life over. I'm done with that way of living. Me trying to earn God's approval somehow, me trying to get to God on my own through my own means, That will never work. And so I put my faith in Jesus. And so me trying to be a good enough person for God to earn a relationship or to earn a reward from him, that is over. And you got to bring me up real quick, please. Because when Christ died, I died. And when Christ was raised, I was raised. This is what the Apostle Paul is teaching here. He's not just saying that this is a picture of like bad people who did bad things getting fixed up to now be good people and do good things. It's not, if it was like that, we'd have a bathtub up here and we'd be like, hey, let's just scrub you up and give you a makeover. That's not what this is. This is a picture of what happened in our hearts. Though I had a sentence of death on my life, a rightly earned, it's just that there was a sentence of death on my life because of my sin and because of my rebellion against the Holy God. But when I put my faith in Jesus, I now have the gift of life that will never end. I was dead in my sin, my trespasses against God, but now I'm alive by the grace and love of Jesus. And so now, as I live, I no longer live for myself because I've moved from death to life. Another thing we're going to see in people today is that they're moving from being a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. Uh, from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. We've, we've already said, I've already said, baptism doesn't save you. But what your baptism is saying to the world is, I used to have an awareness of Jesus. I used to really, even really like Jesus. But now I have decided to follow Jesus. Because God has brought me to the place in my life where Jesus is not just an option. He's not just a good idea. He's not just a box that I need to have checked. He's not just an addendum onto my life or one of the many ways to God or one of the many ways to having a good life. What I am saying out loud is that Jesus is the only way for my life moving forward. And I am committing every single part of my life to him. That's what's being declared when people are baptized this morning. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he used to make a joke about baptism. He said when people are getting baptized, they would uh, like to hold certain things out of the water. Like when you're going under, like your arm is up and you're holding your wallet. We're like, you can have almost everything, just not this wallet. You can have almost everything, just not my career. 
uh, not this relationship. You can have almost everything, just not, I got to hold that one out. And the idea is you are fully submerged because your life is fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus over every part of your life. There are certain bands and certain teams I like, and a lot of times if it works out, I'd, I'd like to go listen to them, or, or if it's a sports team, go see them, go watch them, you know, I'll buy the t-shirt, because I'm, uh, I'm a fan. But if I was a devoted follower, I'd never miss a single thing that they did. I'd, I'd memorize all the lyrics and all the words. I'd, I'd know their history. I'd know their anthology and be able to tell you based on what I know about them and have experienced of them what they like, what they don't like, their, their tendencies. If I'm a devoted follower of a, of a team, you'd never see me have any kind of allegiance to their rivals. It wouldn't be casual if I'd moved from fan to follower. And so the people who are being baptized today, they're not saying, you know, I'm a big fan of Jesus. No, they're saying, I've decided to follow Jesus because he is the only way. And only truth is found in him. And only true life is found in him. It's a big statement. They're saying, I've been on other paths. I've sought other things that were propped up as true. I've, I've chased after other things uh, that promised the good life. And they've all let me down. They've all failed me. But following Jesus is the only way that I'm going to live my life now, and I'm not ashamed of that. I am in him. He is in me. And so whatever I walk through in this life, I know that I'm not alone because he is with me. I am with Jesus, and he is with me. I'm not just a fan. I am a devoted follower of Jesus. Where he goes, I go. Now, for all this to happen, and we're going to close, the band's going to come up, and we're going to get to these baptisms but for all of this to happen in us who have put our faith in Jesus, something had to happen with Jesus. There had to be like a kind of like change of status in Jesus. The, 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 the mystery of Jesus is that he is fully God and fully man. Jesus went from heaven where he had been forever before there was he was, and he left that to come to earth. The God-man put on flesh and put on all the inconveniences of the human experience. He took on the hardship and the sorrow and the pain and the suffering that you and I endure. When the baby was born in Bethlehem, it was God telling the world, I am here with you, from heaven to you. Still holy, still heavenly, still completely and utterly and totally other than, but now dwelling on earth with you. Jesus had always been God's son and is now God's son and the son of man forever. Because the Bible tells us that when we see him, he will be the God man in, in heaven. We will see his scars in his hands He'll always be the God-man by choosing to do that for us so that we could go from death to life. And I don't know if we'll ever really fully get our heads around what Jesus left this side of heaven, where he was enthroned in splendor, ruling over all he had made, ruling over the entire universe with the host of heaven crying out, holy, holy, holy. Jesus left that 
to put on flesh and bone. And then there was a day where he went from the innocent one to cursed and crucified. Jesus never sinned. The scripture is very clear about that. But he who knew no sin, meaning committed no sin, became sin, took on my sin and your sin. And he was nailed to the cruelest torture device that man could imagine at that time. And it was his doing. Jesus says, no one can take my life from me. I have to lay it down. No one has power over Jesus. Only he can lay his life down. And so they crucified the Son of God. And they lifted him up in the middle of a garbage dump after they had beat him and mocked him and whipped him and tortured him and spit on him and humiliated him. And there, at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jesus died. Jesus went from alive to dead. He'd always been alive. There had never been a moment where Jesus wasn't alive. But here, on that cross, Jesus died. And when he did, all of hell threw a party. We got him. And heaven held its breath and leaned in. The Son of God, the Son of Man, is dead. And for three days, that status just kind of hung there. The Messiah, the sent one, the savior of the world, the one who could make the blind see, the one who said to the lame and to the cripple, get up and walk, the one who said to all the social outcasts, the sinners, the prostitutes, the liars, the cheaters, the thieves, and everyone who felt like they had no place and they were damaged goods, the one who said to them, you have a place with me. The one who said to the leper, uh, the leper who had to go through life shouting out, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. The one who said, be healed and be cleansed. The, the one who set free those who were tormented by demons and mutilated themselves. The one who gave dead sons and daughters back to their mothers and fathers. The one who spoke out against oppressive religious structures and who taught the scriptures like no one ever had. The one who brought a way of living like no one had ever lived. The one who walked on water. And the one who calmed storms with his voice. The one who fed thousands of hungry people with just a small little lunch has died. And so for three days, there was no more life to be had. There was no more miracles. As that status just kind of hung there. But church, aren't you glad that on the third, God, the Father Almighty, changes the world forever. When he says, get up, son. You've been faithful. Rise. 
and by raising up his faithful son from the dead, who is now permanently alive forever. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus can become a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Exclamation point. By the power of God, Jesus went from dead to alive. And Jesus, the scripture says, was seen by many. And now that he has ascended back to heaven, people are still seeing Jesus and his children and in his word by the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you do, people will see something different in you. You are here to witness this because you have seen something different in the people who will be getting baptized. Because Christ is in them and they are in Christ. We celebrate this reality every week here with communion uh, around you, either on your chair or underneath your chair around you. There's two elements, the bread and the cup. It's the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to just take us into communion by finishing uh, this passage in 2 Corinthians verse 18. It says this, all of this is from God, just so there's no confusion. All of this is from God, not us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't boast. We can't brag about it because it's all from God who reconciled to himself, put us back together with himself through the faithful work of Christ Jesus and gave us that same ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Any, anybody else besides me super thankful for that verse right there? And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. If you are here today and you could say, honestly, you know what? I have not been put back together with God. Our prayer, our hope, this moment, this day for you is us imploring, be reconciled to God. It can't be earned. It's not something that you do. It's already been done in the, in the perfect life and perfect death of Jesus Christ. Today could be a day where you come to him in repentance, which just simply means a, a turning from an old way of life where you're only putting your faith and your trust in yourself to uh, putting your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus and Jesus alone because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is the beautiful exchange. It is the scandal of the cross. It is grace that makes no sense, but it's the most glorious reality and the greatest news to ever hit planet earth. It's all God. He put us back together with him because of the perfect life and death of Jesus. So if, if that's your confession this morning, then eat and drink in celebration of who he is and what he has done. And Brian's going to come and lead us through our baptism moment.